The reading is taken from Ephesians chapter 2, verses 11 to 12. Therefore remember that formerly you who are Gentiles by birth and called uncircumcised by those who call them themselves a circumcision, that done, in, that done in the body of the hands of men, remember that at the time you were separate from Christ, excluded from citizenship in Israel, and foreigners to the covenants of the promise, without hope and without God in the world. But now, in Christ Jesus, you who once were far away have been brought near through the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace, who has made the two one and has destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility. By abolishing in his, in his flesh the law with its commandments and regulations, his purpose was to create in himself one new man out of the two, out the two, thus making peace, and in the one body to reconcile both of them to God, to God through the cross, by which he can put to death their hostility. He came and preached peace to those who were far away and peace to those who were near. For through him we, have bo we both have access to the Father by one spirit. Consequently, you are no longer foreigners and aliens, but fellow citizens with God's people and members of God's household, built on the foundations of the apostles and prophets, with Christ Jesus himself as the chief cornerstone. In him, the whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. And in him, you two are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his people. This is the word of the Lord. Charlotte, thank you very much for reading that to us. Um, good evening, my name's Richard. I'm the, the minister in charge of uh, this service at, at St Mary's. Uh, do, uh, do make yourself known to me afterwards. It would be lovely to meet you if we haven't met. Um, let's keep that uh, page open in front of us. It's page 1174, if you have a church Bible. And uh, let's pray before we come to consider it together. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you that it speaks to us today, thousands of years after it was written. And we pray that you would mold our hearts tonight so that we might know you better and love you more. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, I still remember the evening very clearly. My wife, Gracie, and I had just moved to a new city and uh, someone had recommended a new church that we could join. Now, it was a, a cold night, and uh, we ventured out uh, through the snow uh, to join one of their midweek groups in somebody's house. Um, that's not, not an actual photograph, but it was that kind of uh, evening. And as we entered the room of that house, it was the most diverse group of people I think I have ever seen. Um, in all the years since, I've never had... a encountered a room like it. Um, in one corner, there was a lady from West Africa um, who seemed very, very nervous and turned out she had a very complicated past. Uh, there was a homeless man who was unpredictable, to say the least. Next to him, there was a heart surgeon with more letters after his name than I could count. Uh, there was a young couple who'd, who'd moved from a, a little village in France and didn't have much English. And there was a smartly dressed businessman. 
Now, we'd only been Christians ourselves for a couple of years at that point, and our limited experience of church was, was hanging out with other students. Well, you can imagine this was quite a shock to go into a room with people so different. What on earth were we going to talk about? Well, I wonder, what is your experience of church life? Uh, maybe you're new to us here at St. Mary's. Um, I hope you've been warmly welcomed. Uh, but do you feel that you have much in common with everyone else here? Are there certain cultural or, or even language barriers that you're trying to cross? Perhaps you've been here for a while. Um, it is a true saying, isn't it, that you can choose your friends, but you can't choose your family. And this is church family. Uh, we can't choose uh, who we sit next to on a Sunday, who's in our growth group, um, who goes along to after church. Uh, they, they are who they are. And humanly speaking, uh, we may well have less in common with the other folks in this room uh, than we do with our school friends or our colleagues at work. But in our Bible passage tonight from Paul's letter to the Ephesians, uh, we're given a command, which I think we all need to hear. Uh, Paul's command in these verses is, in fact, the only instruction that he gives in the first half of the letter. And so I figure that means it must be quite important. So look with me at verse 11. He says, therefore, remember... Remember, that's the, that's the, uh, the command in this passage. When our church life feels messy, when we're struggling to, to relate to one another, to feel that we don't have many things in common, well, we need to remember. What do we need to remember? Well, well, three things. Remember who we were, what Jesus has done, and who we are now. That's where we're heading this evening. And so uh, first, let's unpack that first idea. Um, Christian believers, remember who we are. That's what Paul is writing to these Christians in, in Ephesus. Remember who you were. Let's, uh, let's read together from uh, verse 11. You can follow along in your Bibles. Therefore, remember that formerly you who are Gentiles by birth and called uncircumcised by those who call themselves the circumcision, that done in the body by the hands of men, remember that at that time you were separate from Christ. You were excluded from citizenship in Israel and foreigners to the covenants of the promise, without hope and without God in the world. Now, to understand these, uh, these quite complicated verses, uh, it's going to help us to cast our minds back into the Old Testament. And so we're going to have a little detour now for a minute or two uh, to think about the Old Testament. The Bible begins with God making the world, and everything is perfect. And Adam and Eve, well, they have a great relationship with God, don't they? Living in the garden uh, with him. They trust God to take care of them, and he does. But then... They're tempted. They're tempted to rebel against God. They want to be the ones calling the shots. And ever since that moment, every human being, every human heart has had that rebellion, that rebellion against the holy gods. And it's what the Bible calls sin. And our sin 
separates us from the holy gods. But in his mercy, God didn't leave things that way. As we turn through the pages of the Bible, we find God reaching out to a man named Abraham. Now, Abraham and his heart were very far from God. He was a moon worshipper. But God reached out to him and gave him a promise, an undeserved promise. He said, Abraham, I will bless you. And in fact, all of your family, your descendants, are going to be a blessing to the world. What did Abraham do? Well, he trusted that promise. He trusted that God was true to his words, and he did what he was told. And that trust was the basis of the relationship between God and Abraham's family, the the people of Judah, the the Jewish people. Um, It was a covenant, a kind of agreement between them. And the deal was this, uh, if they trusted God uh, to forgive their sins and to care for them, and if they continued to obey his words, well, then they would be his special people. And a sign of that covenant was that the, the baby boys in Jewish families were circumcised. It was a sign of that covenant with God. Now, everybody else in the world at that time, well, they, were, they weren't Jewish. They were called Gentiles. And they didn't have that promise. Now, fast forward through your Bible a couple of thousand years, and we come to Jesus. And on a hillside outside Jerusalem, Jesus is crucified. He dies on a cross, and then three days later, he rises from the dead. And that momentous event is exactly what Abraham and all the faithful Jewish people were looking forward to. They trusted that God would forgive them. And this is how he did it. Jesus, the the divine son of God, came down from heaven into our rebellious world and he died in our place. He took on himself the penalty that sin deserves. And so now whoever puts their trust in Jesus doesn't face that separation from God, but is restored, brought back into a close relationship with God, which will last forever. Well, back to tonight's passage in Ephesians, and Paul wants to remind the Ephesians of who they were before they heard about Jesus. So he says, remember that at that time you were separate from Christ and excluded from citizenship in Israel. Do you see what he's saying? It's a kind of double separation. They weren't part of the covenant. They didn't have those promises that the Jewish people did. And also, they didn't know about Jesus. They didn't have Jesus Christ, the one who alone forgives sins. It was a double separation. Now, I, now I imagine that that um, sense of separation will be very familiar uh, to some of us, and particularly those from the asylum center um, in Maidenhead, separated from their homeland and separated from this country, too, until a visa comes through, the the visa that they're hoping for. But terrible as that that kind of separation is, well, it it is, in fact, far worse to be separated from God and from the people of God. That's what the Bible says. To be separated from God is a truly terrible thing. And that's why, at the end of verse 12, Paul says... Um, Ephesian Christians, you were without hope and without God in the world. 
In the Bible, the word, the word hope means something slightly different from how we use it today. It means a, a certain thing that you know is going to happen. And so for Christians, the, the hope of heaven is a certain hope. Uh, we know for sure, because Jesus rose from the dead, that when we trust him, we will go with him. But the Ephesians, well, they had no such hope, did they? Uh, they worshipped a god called Artemis. Artemis had a big temple up at the top of the hill in Ephesus. But worshipping Artemis was basically a lottery. Uh, Artemis could send you good health or illness, just depending on how she was feeling that morning. It really was a, a lottery. I guess it was like people today who say, I hope the universe will be kind to me today. It's uncertain. The Ephesians had no hope And they were without God in the world. They didn't know the loving presence of God with them day by day through the ups and downs of life. They faced life on their own. And so I imagine like people today, they just kept themselves busy. They tried not to think about those big questions of life. They worked hard in the office all day long. They went out in the evening for a glass of Ephesian wine. Maybe they put the TV on to watch the the gladiators on Sky Sports. It um, It was hopeless. They had no hope, and they were without God in the world. Now, I realize you may be here this evening, and you're actually in the same boat as those Ephesian, uh, those Ephesians were. Life feels okay, but you don't have that certain hope that I'm talking about. Maybe you're, you're taking the risk that God doesn't exist, um, or, or if he does, that he doesn't mind the fact that you've been pushing him away all this time. Well, if that's you, you're very welcome here with us. Uh, I hope you feel welcome here. And I hope that these words from the Bible will be uh, food for thought for you. Uh, do come and chat with me or one of the, uh, the welcome team afterwards. It will be lovely to hear your thoughts and, and to talk it through together. But if we are here and we are already Christians tonight, well, the the command for us is the same as it was for the Ephesians. We need to remember who we were. We were separate from Christ. We were excluded. We were foreigners. Whatever gifts and qualifications we have, whatever nationality, whatever social class, we were without hope until Jesus came into our life. Remembering who we were should give us the humility that we need to relate well to one another. Remember who you were. Well, secondly, we need to remember what Jesus has done. He has reconciled us to God and to each other. And that's verses 13 to 17. Let's read on, shall we, from verse 13. But now... That's a great phrase, isn't it? There was a a but now at the beginning of chapter two when we thought about the great but now, you are saved by grace. Well, here we have another but now. In Christ Jesus, you who once were far away have been brought near through the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace who has made the two into one and has destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility, by abolishing in his flesh the law with its commandments and regulations. 
Well, when Paul talks about the barrier in these verses, this dividing wall of hostility, well, he's talking about the tension that existed between the Jewish people and the Gentiles. It had gone on for centuries. The the Jews had the the laws and the customs that, that made them a separate people, a distinct people of God. And that sadly had the effect of keeping the the Gentiles out. There was a wall between them. Now, some of us will be old enough to remember the Berlin Wall. Um, Here's a a photograph of of, uh, the 1980s when it came down. The Berlin Wall was set up to divide the people of Berlin between the, the communist East and the capitalist West. And it divided families. It divided people in half. They were cut off from one another. But then on the 9th of November, 1989, a crowd surged onto the wall. They they broke their way through one of the gates, jumped up onto the wall with hammers and smashed the wall down. And it was a historic moment that brought those people back together. There are still many walls today, aren't there? There's that infamous wall on the southern border of the US with Mexico. There's the barrier of hostility between Ukraine and Russia, between the Palestinians and the Israelis. And even in our country, there are barriers, social barriers, economic barriers, class barriers. And our politicians struggle with this, don't they? They're helpless to break down these walls. But Jesus can. Jesus came to break down walls. Verse 15 continues. His purpose was to create in himself one new man out of the two, thus making peace, and in this one body to reconcile both of them to God through the cross. You see, just as there was a a double separation, separated from God and separated from God's people, well, now we get a double reconciliation Uh, Through Jesus and the blood shed on the cross, uh, we are reconciled to God, restored to relationship with him, and we are reconciled to one another. Uh, Whether our background is Jewish or Gentile, uh, whether we are French or English, any of the other hostilities that we see in our world, when we come into the church as believers When we trust in Jesus, well, we are reconciled with each other. And that is a beautiful thing, isn't it? Only Jesus can do this. I imagine those diplomats at the United Nations are tearing their hair out at the moment, don't you? What can be done to bring peace in this troubled world? And our politicians in Britain have no idea how to deal with all of the the different communities warring together. But Jesus can. And we see the result in the church. It was wonderful back in September. Um, perhaps you remember uh, one evening in September, we gathered in this, in this room, um, eating food and dancing and hearing music from all kinds of different countries, our Taste of All Nations evening. I mean, where else would you find people from Pakistan and India sharing a meal together with, with such happy faces? It was a, a lovely thing. Let's thank Jesus for reconciling us to one another. 
But let's also make sure that we don't put those walls back up again. In our friendships at church, are we, are we somehow sticking with the people like us, the people that we know? Or are we making an effort to get to know people who are different from us? Are we crossing boundaries as a church? Maybe there's someone in your growth group, someone here on Sunday night, someone you meet at the bear after church, and there is, there's actually a wall between you, a wall of some kind. Well, why not uh, do something about it this week? Let's live out this truth that we are reconciled to one another in Jesus. Remember who we were, remember what Jesus has done, and then finally, remember who we are. Well, as Christian believers, we are the dwelling place of God. That is the extraordinary truth of this passage. Let's read from verse 18. For through him, through Jesus, we both have access to the Father by one spirit. Consequently, you are no longer foreigners and aliens, but fellow citizens with God's people and members of God's household. We've had the the double separation and the double reconciliation. Well, now we have the double blessing that God gives us. Every Christian has access to the Father, and we are brought close together with each other. So whatever your background might be, uh, rich or poor, uh, black or white, um, English or French, all the different divisions that we can think about, We have access to God if we are Christians. 24-7, we can pray to him and know that he hears us as his son or daughter. And that's because we have the same Holy Spirit. The Spirit in our lives gives us a hotline to God. But the Spirit also binds us together. We are the dwelling place of God, members of God's household together. That is a very profound connection, isn't it? We may speak different languages, we might have different personalities, different habits, but we are joined together by the Spirit. The other metaphor that Paul uses is is in verse 20. He says that we're like a building. We're a building built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, with Christ Jesus himself as the chief cornerstone. In him, the whole building is joined together and rises up to become a holy temple in the Lord. And in him, you too are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. I wonder, have you ever thought of coming to church like that? Have you ever thought of the 6.30 congregation in those terms? We look like a bunch of different people, don't we? But the truth is, we are, we are housemates. We are in the same household of God. And we are bricks. We make up the same building. The foundation of our building is the apostles and prophets. And um, what Paul means by that is this book, that the apostles and the prophets who wrote the Bible, that is the, the foundation at the floor of our building. And that's, that's incidentally why at St. Mary's we put so much importance on the Bible, because a building without solid foundations is in big trouble, isn't it? And our cornerstone, the the stone that holds the whole building together, well, that's Jesus. What's this building for? Well, it's a temple. I think we have a a picture there of the the temple in Old Testament times. 
Uh, this was the place where uh, God came to dwell with the people of Israel, the, the place where he could meet them and uh, they could pray to him and know that he heard them. But now the temple looks like this. This is a, a photograph from one of our uh, away weekends at St. Mary's a, a few years back. We are the dwelling place of God. We are his temple, the place where we meet God and where other people can come in and meet God too. That's an amazing thought, isn't it? The fact that the the Spirit dwells among us together is something I hadn't thought about much before. I think we're used to the idea of the the Holy Spirit dwelling in um, Christians as individuals. But he also dwells in us together. And so if, if somebody is interested in finding God, they don't need to go on a gap year to Thailand, uh, trekking through the jungle to, to find God somehow. They don't need to take a ride into space um, like Jeff Bezos. All they need to do is to come into a living, breathing community like this, uh, a church. And they will encounter God as they hear God's word taught and obeyed and listened to and they will encounter God as they see God's love uh, being, uh, being exhibited between each other. God's love practiced by a diverse group of people who've been brought together. That is the work of the Spirit, and it's a very powerful thing to see. And I hope this, this fundamentally changes how we see ourselves at the 6.30. Um, you might see yourself as a, a teenager, um, a woman, a man, um, a school teacher, any other label you might choose for yourself. But actually, if you are a believer in Jesus, your most important identity is that you are part of this household. You are, you are a child of God in his household. And you're also a brick, but you're not a brick by yourself. You are a brick together with the rest of us. And together we are a holy temple where God lives by his spirit. Remember who you were, remember what Jesus has done, and remember who you are. As we finish, uh, you might be wondering what happens to that group of people that um, I, I walked in upon all those years ago, that, that diverse Bible study group. Well, the astonishing thing was that within a few weeks, um, we became good friends. We started to get to know each other, and by the end of that year together, we were, we were inseparable. We were living life together. It was a, a beautiful thing. We remembered who we were be- before we knew Jesus. We, we knew that we'd been a people without hope. We remembered what Jesus had done for us. He had reconciled us to God and to each other. And then we remembered who we were now, the dwelling place of God. Friends, I, I, I pray that we will... Uh, this truth will will come to our hearts, that we will understand who we really are, and that tonight might have changed how we think about church. So let's let's pray now. Let's let's praise God, and uh, commit ourselves to living out this truth. Our Father, we thank you for the wonderful truths that we're learning in our journey through this letter to the Ephesians. And we thank you for the Lord Jesus, who not only saves each believer, but brings us together to become a holy temple. 
as we live our lives together as the 630 congregation. Please help us to relate to one another in a way that honors this truth. And may others who come into our mists recognize the spirit at work among us and see that we are the dwelling place of God and want to be part of it. And we ask all this in the precious and wonderful name of Jesus. Amen.